It's Tuesday, April 11th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Daniel Bard, the closer for the Colorado Rockies, was recently put on the team's injured list. The issue is not with his arm, his shoulders, his knees. It's with his brain and emotions. Bard's IL designation is for anxiety. And it's a reminder that for all the intense physical challenges of being a professional athlete, the mental and emotional challenges can be just as strong. A quick note before we dive in, this episode is going to be about mental health, which I think is an important and really interesting topic. If you're not in the right headspace to be thinking about this stuff, I get it. But if you stick around, I think you'll be glad you did. In recent years, we've seen issues like depression and anxiety treated more clinically, like any other disease or injury. But these issues are still difficult to talk about publicly for many people, athletes especially, because they are, in theory, supposed to be blocking out everything but the game. Players get praise heaped on them when they make a heads-up play and criticized heavily when they make mental mistakes, because they're supposed to be above those. But once in a while, a star athlete will bring these issues to everyone's attention. Here's Naomi Osaka in 2021. This kind of started yesterday. Like yesterday, I just woke up and I was really depressed, but I don't know why. At the time, Osaka was the story in the sports world and even outside the sports world. It started when she was fined $15,000 for missing a required media appearance at the French Open in May of that year. She was the second seed in that tournament, but no one would have faulted you for saying she was the best female tennis player in the world. She had just won the Australian Open a few months prior, she had won the 2020 US Open before that, and she had won each of those tournaments one time before. She was also one of the most beloved athletes in the world, a huge draw for sponsors. But it turns out that you can be at the absolute pinnacle of your career and still feel like something's wrong. She won her first round match and then dropped out of the tournament to tend to her mental health. Osaka did return to tennis, playing in a handful of tournaments last year and made the final of the 2022 Miami Open. She is now taking some time off from the game because she is pregnant. To state the obvious, no one gets to the level Osaka did in any sport on natural ability alone. It takes relentless effort to stay in shape and stay prepared. That 2021 French Open that Osaka dropped out of, I mentioned she was the number two seed there. The number one seed in that tournament was Ashley Barty. One year later, still number one in the world, a month before she turned 26, Barty retired from competitive tennis. She said at the time, quote, I don't have the physical drive, the emotional want, and everything it takes to challenge yourself at the very top of the level anymore. I am spent. The being spent part is probably not unusual, but quitting while you're still physically at the height of your game is. Most people plow through, even when they are spent, and that can take a toll. Naomi Osaka, of course, is not the only top athlete who has discussed mental health. Michael Phelps, the most decorated Olympian ever in any sport. He's basically the most successful you can dream of being as a competitive swimmer. He has depression. He's spoken about how for something like a decade, he tried to push his emotional struggles aside so he could keep competing. But when those thoughts returned, he was no better able to process them and deal with them in a real way. And it got bad enough that he was having suicidal thoughts. Well, that's a train wreck. I mean, I was just like a time bomb waiting to go off. I mean, I had no self-esteem, no self-worth. The wake-up call, at least as he describes it, was his second DUI in 2014. After that, he started seeking out therapy and speaking openly about what he lives with and how it's not something that ever just goes away permanently. But he can manage it now that he's trying to manage it instead of trying to pretend it's not there. And being honest about that is probably the biggest impact he's going to have as a public figure. Because it's not like no one ever talks about this stuff, but frankly, some people get more attention than others when they do. 
NBA star DeMar DeRozan, for instance, pushed over a big domino in getting the NBA to be more proactive about this. In February of 2018, he tweeted, this depression get the best of me. That started some conversations, and in a few months, the league's Players Association had created a mental health program. MLB and the NFL have been stepping up their efforts on this front in recent years as well. Zooming out a little, of course an athlete's mental-emotional state is going to affect their performance sometimes, for better or worse. I mean, we all have days when we're not quite right, and it's hard to deliver at a high standard whatever you do. And often, it's stuff that's not really our business. Here's a moment that stood out to me from an interview I did on this show with attorney Brett Ward, who represents athletes in some very personal situations. What people don't realize is athletes are human beings. They're affected when their marriage falls apart. You know, I represented a baseball player who, you know, basically the media was saying, what happened to this guy? We've mostly talked about depression and anxiety here, but obviously mental health issues are as diverse as the human population. I just happened to learn that 10 MLS stadiums, 17 MLB stadiums, 17 NHL arenas, 18 NFL stadiums, and 28 NBA arenas have sensory rooms for people on the autism spectrum and others that might need to get away from the sensory overload of going to a game. That's awesome, and it's a direct result of more open, productive conversations about these issues. Mental health is not the same as physical health, and the fact that you can't see what's wrong and things like talking about it can alleviate some of the symptoms, that can make it feel less real to a lot of people. But for the people going through it, it's the realest thing in the world. I, of course, wish the best for Daniel Bard and that he can do what he needs to and get back on the field soon. But given that he's dealing with these issues, it's heartening to see him go on the IL and take the time he needs because it makes me think that maybe we're getting to a point where we can discuss these issues more openly and treat them with the same clinical approach that we would with any other problem. Up next, I spoke to David Chadwick, founder and CEO of Real Response, which is an organization that works with athletes and teams on mental health and can even be an outlet for athletes to discuss toxic team situations that are not easy to bring up more publicly for any number of reasons. We'll have that conversation right after this. Here's what's trending now. You can defer payments of a full NetSuite implementation for six months. 33,000 companies have already upgraded to NetSuite, gaining visibility and control over their financials, inventory, HR, e-commerce, and more. Everything they need to reduce manual processes, boost efficiency, build forecasts, and increase productivity. Whether your business generates millions or hundreds of millions of dollars, take advantage of this special financing offer of no payments or interest for six months at netsuite.com frontoffice. That's netsuite.com slash front office. I am joined now by the founder and CEO of Real Response, David Chadwick. Um, Real Response works with mental health and athletes. David, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Hi, Owen. Thanks for having me. So... Well, let's just start with the, with the origins of Real Response. Where did you see the need for something like Real Response um, in the athlete community? Sure. So I'm a former student athlete. My sport is generally pretty obvious to people when I meet them in person because I'm very tall, former basketball player. Uh, started the company over 10 years ago while actually taking a class project and still a student athlete. And during the class, I had to come up with an idea. And I found a challenge that myself and many of my peers experienced firsthand and mainly feeling like we didn't have a way to speak up and to use our voice and to share feedback and concerns with our administration and really equip them to better understand the culture of our programs, number one, but number two, to be able to address the issues and concerns that we brought forward. So we started in the collegiate athletic space, um, grew to 100 plus schools there between the 2016 to 2020 period and 
are really proud of the success and the impact that we've made there. And then in the last two years, have seen a really exciting growth beyond college athletics and to really scale our resource to more groups and people in need. Now in the Olympic National Governing Body world, professional sports, leagues and clubs, integrity groups, et cetera. And, you know, our number one mission and focus is to help people in need and to give them that safe space to be able to speak up and to ultimately seek help and resources and start as a class project and then fast forward to where we are today and continuing to stay true to our mission and where we are. So mental health is something, obviously, it's a, a big struggle for a lot of people and something of a struggle at points for basically everyone at, you know, at some point in their life. What is it about athletes that you find is specific to that space where you, you might have issues or even cultural concerns that um, th that might be more pronounced among athletes? Sure. I, I think you first have to recognize the unique environment that sports organizations create. Um, it's highly pressurized. It's literally an environment that is uh, viewed by wins and losses and success and losses whether it be your team winning or if you're in a sport like track and field or swimming, your time and how fast you went. Um, so it's a culture that is focused on success. And oftentimes as a result of that in this pressurized environment to perform, there is pretty severe repercussions that can happen for someone speaking up and maybe raising a concern about that they might have about themselves or other people. Um, for people on a college campus, they might be have fear of reper repercussions with losing their financial aid or, or something along those lines, or maybe it's just more general playing time. Or if someone has aspirations to have a career in sports, maybe they're worried about the network that they might lose if they speak up about someone and the behavior that they had. So I, I think the sports environment just creates a very challenging place where it is highly pressurized. There's this desire to perform and succeed. And as a result, people are maybe fearful to speak up about their needs, someone else's needs. And it's just this mindset of maybe it's better not to talk about it and to try to stomach it and keep it internal. And that with all the different consequences that are going on, all the pressures that they experience can just bubble up into these bigger issues that maybe it is depression or maybe it's the unfortunate situations like we've seen in the news where there is misconduct, abuse, harassment, discrimination, or a direct event or circumstance that's impacting their mental health and, and their well-being as well. Yeah, and you, you, um, I'm curious to to get into the, some of that um, because in, in team environments there can be you know sometimes dicey situations where there could be hazing rituals. Uh, it, everyone's pressured to you know get behind the team, not be an individual. Uh, often there's you know there's people who have worked their way up to seniority and they want to exercise their power. So. Um, how prevalent do you do you see things like you know hazing, abuse, you know in in college and in, in other systems? Yeah, well, the the reality is, I think news outlets like you guys show that it is happening at a rapid pace, and the unfortunate situations of these occurring in sports organizations seems to hit the news weekly. It seems like, um, and it's something that we've seen firsthand. And, and to be honest with you, was not necessarily expected from the onset of our company. You know, what began as kind of a tool for holistic evaluations where student athletes at the time could provide feedback on coaches, support areas, facilities, even their gear did begin to be a place that those types of more serious concerns came through where people were talking about hazing or misconduct or abuse or other types of unfortunate situations um, that the administration had no idea was going on. 
And fast forward, you know, a decade plus, decade plus years later, we still see that happening. So it is a, um, it's something that is occurring a lot. It's something that we're laser focused on because we want to provide that space for people to be able to speak up, number one, but number two, equipping the leaders of these organizations to identify these potential early issues much, much earlier and, and before they get to the point of escalating into a bigger crisis like what we've seen more recently. And, and have you found that the communication that you facilitate, um, does is that sometimes able to root out the source of the problem? Or, or uh, is, is your organization, I don't want to say you're just treating the symptoms because the symptoms can be, you know, very, very challenging and important to treat. But, um, but yeah, are you able uh, to at least help um, solve these problems sometimes? Yeah, definitely. And I would say it would be naive to, to focus on just the issues with our platform because we really like to treat it more as a holistic engagement tool where people could be reporting concerns and issues, but perhaps they're asking questions that they don't feel comfortable tagging their name to. Like we saw an example for what mental health resources are available and where can I go to talk about XYZ. Um, it could be positives. We see a lot of positives come through our system where they say, hey, I want to give my coach Owen a shout out for all the positive and impact he's made on my life and just to recognize him. So certainly it could be the issues, but we tend to focus more on the broad use. Um, but we've seen you know, several examples of where uh, athletes and employees, because we do work with a lot of HR groups as well, have used our system to anonymously bring forward those issues that are going on. And they have been the early indicators for these organizations that had no idea that they were previously going on. And the way our system's created, their way, they're able to follow up with that person and get the information they actually need to be able to investigate it and, and to address it in a timely manner. And you also work with the NFLPA. What can you say about you know, the, the issues that have come up in you know the world of professional football that you've gotten a little inside peek into. Yeah, the NFLPA is really an admirable, admirable group. Um, our relationship with them began with COVID, needing a way to be able to communicate around COVID needs and concerns and potential protocol violations. But they've really leaned in over the last few years since then and being very outspoken and very direct with their players of wanting to give a space for them to communicate. Again, that broad use among a number, number of different needs, it could certainly be the more serious issues. I need to get directed to this resource. I'm having a problem in this area, training camp, et cetera. Um, but also in more of the, the broad use of, again, how, how can I ask questions I don't feel comfortable tagging my name to, or I'm struggling in this way and I'm wondering who I should talk to. It's a lot of times it's just creating that environment for communications where let's be honest, people are driven by technology now and the expectation that they're going to pop into someone's office and do the old school, my open door policy and talk about a challenge is unlikely. Um, and then more, more definitely a much less likelihood that they're going to pick up the phone and call someone that they don't know, or perhaps, you know, do a, a hotline or some of those more uh, old school ways as well. So the NFLPA under the leadership of Don Davis has just been fantastic with how they're really leaning into their players and being outspoken that we want to hear your voice. We want to address your, your needs and concerns and do it in a really timely way. So th this is one of these things where I, I hope we're just as a culture getting better at it, getting better at talking about emotions, feelings, mental health issues, treating it like, you know, a, a, like a real, you know, sometimes a, a like we would treat a disease. Um, the other time, yeah, NCA, you mentioned technology is something that can, can alienate us, produce less human connection. Um, and there are also those same cultural forces we were talking about of, you know, get behind the team, be tough, be strong, just get through it, you know, don't don't challenge the system. 
<laughs> not to like make you give a, like a state of the union on like mental health and sports, but do you see, do you think we're trending in the right direction or are the same challenges you were addressing 10 years ago? Are, are those just as bad? I think we're definitely making progress. And I would look at the leadership of outspoken and prominent athletes like Michael Phelps and Simone Biles and Aaron Rodgers, just to name a few folks that have been spoken, outspoken about their own mental health challenges. And as a result, have kind of perpetuated this snowball effect of others speaking up about it as well and their own challenges and how they've been able to get through it. So they've made it much more um, familiar for other people to recognize their own mental health challenges and, and that it's okay. It's okay not to be okay and to want to begin that conversation to get help. You know, at the end of the day, obviously I have a unique perspective with our company, Real Response, and, and being very involved in this space. But I actually think it begins outside of a system like ours, and it really focuses, number one, on the relationships. It's about building relationships with your people within your organization, because if someone doesn't trust who their leaders are, whether it be a captain or a coach or an administrator or whatever, they're not going to come forward, whether it's in our system or something else. But if there is a trust and there is a relationship built um, and people do truly feel valued as people versus just athletes or employees, they're going to be much more likely to come forward and speak about their own challenges or someone else's challenges and ultimately seek the help that they may need. All right, David Chadwick, very insightful. Thanks, Owen. I appreciate you guys having me. That's it for today. We'll get back to regular business tomorrow, but let me know what you thought about this one. Send us a message at today at frontofficesports.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.